Matias Yanmark, shorthanded goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high. Wah gets the puck off to the races. Into the zone. The righty. Right circle. Backhander. He scores! What a move! Nicholas Wah gets the Knights back in the lead. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... Darren Millard still out, but we are sending him all our best and all of your best as he continues to recover. I promise you... Shortly, Darren Millard will be back on the program, back to the optimism that surely everyone has right now in the Vegas Valley because of the Golden Knights' performance last night against the Calgary Flames. It was, frankly, one of the best games the Golden Knights have played all season long, and it comes at the perfect time for a Golden Knights team that is looking to control their own destiny down the stretch. I I think... Last night's game was a statement. I don't know about you, Chris Chapman. I think that the Golden Knights went into Calgary and they were looking to make a statement, not just to the Calgary Flames, but to the rest of the hockey world, that a team that goes 7-1-1 in their last nine games is maybe not getting the respect that they deserve down the stretch. Well, I mean, to be to be honest, Ryan, I, I don't know if, if they deserve the respect yet. Right, because I'm I'm just I'm just saying. Look, this is a team with Stanley Cup aspirations. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Chapman, Chapman, yes, yes, Chapman. I know Reed is 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 probably yelling and screaming right now. This is a team with Stanley Cup aspirations, assuming health and assuming the roster stayed the same from day number one. When you factor in all the injuries and you cannot divorce the injuries from where the Golden Knights are at right now in the standings, you have to slant the expectations. My point is, this is a team that right now is playing some of the best hockey that they've played all season long. There have been hiccups for sure with the process, but by and large, it's been good. And they're 7-1-1 one, one in their last nine games. And I don't think that looking at the, the, the run they're on right now and looking what they were able to do last night against Calgary uh, is, is being necessarily viewed as it should around the hockey world and and it'll be interesting to kind of get a, a an idea of what it looks like from a national level mainly because we've got Dave Reed joining the show here from the NHL network in just a few minutes we're also going to check in with our power play to the playoff segment a little bit later on with Gene Principe a broadcaster for the Edmonton Oilers he'll be joining us at 4:30 uh to to talk about Vegas and Edmonton tomorrow and then obviously kind of the playoff ramifications Chapman's just getting called out left and right on Twitter it's <laughs> yeah, fantastic I, I love it it's I, go ahead but yeah so apparently I I'm I'm prohibited from positivity alley until no, no, uh, no, further... it's, pro- it's probation. I'm it's on probation. probation. Probation? Okay. Well, so, so by the, you, yeah, by you the way, the, the you... person who tweeted that out is savage. I'm just putting it. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my point, my, like, Chapman, you don't think that they deserve the respect, that they deserve more respect right now for, for how they played last night and what they've done over the last no, nine, look, look, nine, la- last nine night, or ten games? Last night was really impressive. 
Um, you know, they, they went into a building, and, and I mean, I, I, I know uh, they've had some, some issues in that building in the past, um, mm-hmm. and they sort of exercise some of those demons. Such a joke. The, the idea that they've had issues in that building, it, to me, it, and I, I noticed it going into the game. I, I notice it now even more coming out of the game. They're one game under 500 in Calgary. Yeah, but it's, it's not, not, it's not so much be... the record. It's, it's not so much the record. It's some of the worst losses in team history have come in the yeah, Saddle Dome. I mean, and, and, late... and you could chalk that up to anything you want. You could say bad goaltending. You could say just they, 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 they played a bad game. But reality I says mean... that, that at the end of the day, they – some of they, they they lost games like seven nothing in that building. They were absolutely thrashed in that building sure. earlier this season. So some of those games, Chapman too, have come like late in the season when you've already got a playoff uh, spot. No, and I and I, and I understand and, and that. But, but like context the, matters. Yeah, but you you look at the fact that they had given up over five goals a game in the what is it six games they played there up until yesterday. So so there there's a lot that goes into it and and. Look, and, and I will stand pat and say that they exercise the demons. Some people may call it ghosts. I'll just say exercise the there demons. There were no ghosts. There were no ghosts. <laughs> well, someone else might say that there were ghosts in that building. No, I'm saying that building, there weren't any. That's my point. <laughs> like, if, if you're talking about a team in that game last night that needs to exercise some demons, that needs to, to get rid of some ghosts, it's the Calgary Flames. They've never won in Vegas. Like, I, I don't understand how we look at that that breakdown between the two clubs, and we look at the Golden Knights and their ability, even though it's it's it was two games under 500, their ability to actually find wins in that building versus a, a Calgary Flames team that has not been able to find a win. Like I don't know why we latch on to Vegas has trouble in Calgary. I don't I don't get it. Well, it's I, a, it's I brought a, attention to it, and I just don't get it. It's a series where where clearly the home team has has had the advantage uh, yes. over overall. And I, I know Vegas is, has absolutely smoked Calgary down here quite a few times as well. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see if these two teams meet in the playoffs because I, I think it's a lot easier for Vegas to win in Calgary than it is for Calgary. I don't disagree with you on that. I'm just saying that when you look at the Golden Knights as a whole, there's not a lot of buildings where they've been absolutely skunked multiple times. That's one of the buildings. The Saddle Dome is one of those buildings. And look, they exercised the Demons last year with, with uh, the building in, in St. Paul. In the playoffs, they 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 put that behind them, and now I don't think they have any issue there. I don't think they're going to have an issue going into Calgary, but you know, and, and we'll have some audio a little bit later of Pete. But I I thought his uh, his thoughts. You know, we talked about uh, Daryl Sutter playing mind games. I think Pete mm-hmm. DeBoer kind of played a little mind games with some of the comments that he made today. Well, it's it's all about gamesmanship, and you know, for Pete, he he's recognizing that this is a team in Calgary that the Golden Knights, if they do their job down the stretch, it's a team that they might see in the playoffs. And I think that, to me, last night was one of the more impressive wins from the Vegas Golden Knights all season long. They were skating. They were checking. They were great in the neutral zone. They did not allow the Calgary Flames to get to their game, the stuff that Calgary wanted to do. Johnny Gaudreau, 101 points, did not look himself in that game last night against the Vegas Golden Knights. And then you get a little bit more balance down the lineup for Vegas. Nick Watt now on your fourth line. You 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 put Jonathan Marchessault with 
Jack Eichel, to me, that was such a key because you had a little bit more speed on that line with Matthias Janmark. He can keep up with Jack Eichel. You can start to make plays around those two players. And then, obviously, your trigger man is going to be Jonathan Marcheseau. And, and that line looked good. I thought Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty and Chandler Stevenson started to look better. You started to get kind of the idea of what that line's going to be able to do once you get a, a few more games under the belt of Mark Stone. And then, you know, your, your third line, like William Carlson to me. And I think this was the biggest key in the game yesterday. William Carlson on a line with Evgeny Dodonov is going to be a driver, right? Like, he's going to be a driver. When you have Carlson with Marcius Owen-Smith, all three of them, they interact, they, they, they work so well together, but I don't know that I'd say William Carlson is the driver of that line. He does a lot of really good things defensively. He is always in the right spot. He's always on the right side of the puck, but Jonathan Marcius Riley Smith, arguably over the last couple of seasons, they've been the guys driving that line for the Vegas Golden Knights. Not so much William Carlson. And then when you put Carlson in different situations, different spots, whether he's played with Mark Stone or Max Pacioretty, I think there's a natural inclination for William Carlson to defer. And I don't think that's the best use of William Carlson. And to me, when you put him on a line with Evgeny Dodonov and Mike Amadio, if there's going to be a guy that's going to be creating, it's going to be William Carlson. I think he took that challenge last night down the lineup where you can take advantage of some mismatches against the other team's third or fourth line. I thought William Carlson had himself a whale of a game. It was the best game Carlson has played, and he gets rewarded by putting the puck in the back of the net with a great shot in the third period, a three-point night for William Carlson. It is paramount to the Golden Knights' success down the stretch here that William Carlson get going and that he's playing like he did last night. Yeah, I mean, a big night for for that line, too, and I love that Evgeny Dodonov has quietly, and I, and I don't know if it's been so quiet lately, but he's on the doorstep of 20 goals. And I think that's kind of what we had anticipated this team would get out of him when they traded for him. He's right there. He's on the doorstep. One more, and he, he hits 20. He is the second-leading goal scorer on the team, which I, I, I think, you know, I don't think we would have thought that coming in, but obviously we didn't anticipate the injuries that this team has had. But... The Donoff has, has really had a, a phenomenal last couple of weeks. And I think him and William Carlson, it looked like, and, and look, I'm not going to discount what Michael Amadio did last night too because, you know, he got the goal. Uh, what was it, the third goal of the night that Amadio scored? And and look, that, that line, they were, I don't know if they were the best line, but, I mean, it's hard to say that they weren't. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I feel like I feel like all four lines are really good, but I think I, if, I wouldn't if, single one out. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know that I would single one out. And I, and I think that's kind of what what I was trying to say, but I did so very poorly that <laughs> that the, the the entire four lines that Pete DeBoer put out there, every single one of them produced. I mean, they 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 did a really good job, and you know, I, I mean, look, it was it was a great night for the Golden Knights. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, the funny thing is you didn't get production out of Chandler Stevenson, Mark Stone, and Max Pacioretty as a line, but I, I don't think that you necessarily need it. Those guys are going to come around. I think you trust in that for sure. But, you know, for me, like I, I look at last night's game, and if that's the kind of balance you can have in your lineup, understanding that there are still players 
out, understanding that the Golden Knights are still going to get better down the stretch. Like I think that that it's massive just to be able to, if you're Pete DeBoer, create that balance. Now, the the importance of last night's game can't really be understated when it comes to who controls the destiny in this playoff race. Now, the onus is on the Golden Knights right now. Vegas has a game in hand on the Los Angeles Kings, and they are just one point behind. You look at it, points percentage, Vegas at .580, L.A. at .579. So, if the Golden Knights take care of business tomorrow against the Edmonton Oilers. And I know that's a big if the way that the Oilers have been playing lately. I don't think there's uh, two teams that are that are on a bigger tear right now than Edmonton and Vegas. But if the Golden Knights are able to take care of business tomorrow, they are in control of their own destiny. They're in control of what happens with their playoff birth. And I think that's the only thing. If you're the Golden Knights, if you're Pete DeBoer, if you're that team, that roster, you tell them they have control, they have a say, how they play down the stretch is going to be the determining factor and not needing help from LA or Edmonton or Nashville or Dallas. I think that's pretty scary because a motivated group understanding what's on the line and getting the types of performances we got out of Vegas last night if this team controls their own destiny, look out. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think we got to hope this team carries over from last night to tomorrow, and I have this feeling that they're going to. Like, I, I feel like playtime is over, and they put their toys away, and these guys are now ready for business. Last night looked like a team that was dialed in. They looked like a team that was ready to make a run to the playoffs. I mean, look, it's going to be a tough ask for them to win out, but I certainly don't think that it's out of the question that they could. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, look, they, they just look like a team that, that was dialed in last night. And, and it, it, it's, it's. I mean, I, I think I probably speak for a lot of fans when I say, good, we, we've kind of been waiting for that. So the question I have for you is what they did last night repeatable. Like, is that a replic- replicable game from the Golden Knights? Do you think that they can do that on Saturday against Edmonton and then bring that same type of game, shut down through the neutral zone, great puck possession, great decision-making with the puck? Do you think they can bring that into all of their remaining games? I think they could carry it over into tomorrow, sure, because I, I will say this. The games that they've played against Edmonton this season, mm-hmm. they've been able to kind of keep Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in check. And that's with a weaker roster. That's without Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, and Jack Eichel on the roster at, all at the same time. So I don't think it's out of the question that they're able to shut those guys down again. And look, you could you could say what you want about Mike Smith. I don't think he's as good as Jacob Markstrom. And they chased Jacob Markstrom last night. I I, I Can they carry it over? Yeah, certainly. Because you look at the schedule... They've got three winnable home games. I'm not, I'm not I'm not terrified of the Washington Capitals. They're good, but I don't I don't think they're they're Stanley Cup caliber good. New Jersey, I, I watch them a lot. They stink. Golden Knights should blow through them. <laughs> the the well, one the one game that does scare me though, a little mm-hmm. bit, is the Sharks. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. yeah. I think that team, look, they've got absolutely nothing to play for. They're, they're trash. They're not very good. But you don't think they want to play spoiler? 
You don't think they'd love to ruin the Golden Knights season? You don't think guys like Logan Couture and Timo Meyer and, and Tomas Hurdle are sitting there saying, you know what, we have an opportunity to ruin the season for these guys? We've lost, what, 11 straight games to them? I, I think that's probably the last game that San Jose will get up for, and I think they're really going to get up for it because for them, I feel like that is a playoff game. Yeah, I mean that that's the the only game that matters if you're the San Jose Sharks down the stretch. Like I I agree with you 100. percent I'm not I'm not that far off from it. But you mentioned you mentioned Mike Smith, and we can't really go much further without talking about goaltending and and certainly bringing up Logan Thompson. Logan Thompson is now seven and two in his last nine games. He's five and zero oh in his last five starts, and then we get the news today that Robin Leonard has returned to Vegas due to a health issue of one of his family members. Um, This is tweeted out by the Golden Knights. We look forward to his return to the team as soon as possible. So we all understand that that means Logan Thompson will be in net tomorrow for the Vegas Golden Knights. I made the argument yesterday on the post-game show that regardless of who's available, it's Logan Thompson's net. When you're 5-0 and in your last five starts and you're looking at a team in the Golden Knights that need wins, regardless of who your number one is, you ride your hot hand. And I think that no matter what, Logan Thompson was going to get the net tomorrow. Do you agree with that, Chapman? Yeah, I, I think that's probably the, the, the way I would lean as well. Uh, look, Robin Leonard, first of all, certainly hope that, that everything yeah. is okay with, with his family and... and you know, nothing serious, and, and you know, he's certainly in my thoughts. But I'll, I, I will say this. He struggled in Vancouver, and Logan Thompson has looked really, really good in his last couple of starts. He looks like an NHL goalie, and I think it kind of really came out of nowhere. You know, it's it's it, it, it reminds me a little bit of year one when Marc-Andre Fleury went down, and this team had to rely on guys like Max Legasse, and 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 uh, Malcolm Subban to help them navigate a 25 game stretch. It's obviously very different, but there are some similarities because who the hell would have thought that Max Lagasse and Malcolm Subban would help the team win the division in the first season of their existence? Well, where who's Logan Thompson? You know that's that's the funny thing. Like I think if you followed the Silver Knights last year, you you certainly were aware of who Logan Thompson was. But I think for a lot of other people around the NHL, they've got to be asking themselves, where did this guy come from, and how did we all miss on him? Well, I don't think I don't think we we missed Logan Thompson. I think that what you're seeing is a highly motivated player that believes in his skill set and is getting an opportunity. Right? Like you you know the history between Logan Thompson and general manager of the Golden Knights, Kelly McCrimmon, uh, from their time together with the Brandon Wheat Kings, and then obviously Logan's work in Canadian University to get his game back on track onto the trajectory of getting to play professional hockey. And then it's been about opportunity and seizing it for Logan Thompson over the last three years that's led him to this point. So I, I don't know that I'm terribly surprised that the first legitimate opportunity he has at the National Hockey League level he's running with and and this is this is interesting context going into the game tomorrow against the Oilers I'm going to read you two stat lines Chapman you tell me which one's Mike Smith and which one's Logan Thompson this is a five game sample size for both Mike Smith 
and Logan Thompson. Are you ready? I'm ready. 5 and 0. Oh, 0.945 save percentage and a 1.8 goals against average versus 5 and 0. Oh, a .949 save percentage and a 1.6 goals against average. <laughs> oh my which gosh. one's Mike Smith and which one's Logan Thompson? I'm going to say Logan Thompson is A and Mike Smith is B. You have it flipped uh, flipped around. Logan Thompson <laughs> is a 1.6 goals against average in his last five five starts. He's five and zero, a 9.49 save percentage, almost 9.50 save percentage. Logan Thompson is playing out of his mind, but so is Mike Smith. Mike Smith has been phenomenal, and we all know you all know me. You listen to this show every day. I am not a Mike Smith guy. I've never been a Mike Smith guy except for maybe 2012 when he was absolutely next level. But Mike Smith is playing incredibly well right now for the Edmonton Oilers. Tomorrow's game, if it's Thompson and Smith, and I see no reason to believe it's not going to be that matchup, we think about the Edmonton Oilers as a high-scoring team. We think about the Golden Knights recently over this 7-1-1 stretch as a team that can fill the back of the net, I think you're looking at a goaltending duel tomorrow, Chapman. I think you're looking at two goalies that are dialed in, that are seeing the puck incredibly well. I don't know about you, but I'm not envisioning a 7-6 game between the Oilers and the Golden Knights. Well, I mean, that would be fun for everybody except Pete DeBoer and, <laughs> and, and the Oilers coaching staff. But I, I you know what? I think you're, you're probably right. And what that makes me think, and and I, I guess maybe it, it's one of those things where right away when I hear goalie duel, I think mm-hmm. who has more depth? Who has mm-hmm. better third and fourth lines? And it, it it's one of those games where I feel like maybe you're going to have to get a goal from a guy you may not be expecting it from. Maybe a, 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 a Jake LeCision may have to score a goal or Keegan Colasar may have to put one in the net for the Golden Knights. But... I, I think last night was a must-win game for the Golden Knights. I kind of feel like tomorrow is another must-win game for the Golden Knights. And if it's got to be a goalie duel, I don't see why you'd bet against Logan Thompson tomorrow because he's been absolutely phenomenal over the course of the last, what, two, three weeks of the season. What did you think of the first 10 minutes for Logan Thompson last night? You know, it, it, it's weird because I, I think he, he is playing with that chip on his shoulder. And I think you can see that in the way that he plays. I think he, look, he, he didn't play bad. I think he plays, he's playing with confidence, and I think you could see the confidence. You can't blame him for the power play goal. There literally was nothing he could have done about that. But, I, I mean, he, he's good. He's playing really, really well, Ryan. So the first 10 minutes of the game, I think Logan was trying to settle himself back in, right? Like, Maybe a little busier in the crease than he was at, before he 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 made way, I suppose, for Robin Leonard's return. I thought Logan Thompson's last couple of games before taking a, a bit of a break, he was really quiet in the crease. He was really dialed in. Everything seemed to kind of come to him. He was allowing the game to unfold in front of him, and then he was making the right reads. He was on time. He was where he needed to be. And and then if there was something that went a little haywire, he would battle. I thought the first 10 minutes of the game against the Calgary Flames, I think there was kind of that that returning nerves, right? You get back into a situation, back into a game when you haven't played in over 10 days, and all of a sudden uh, you're a little bit overexcited. And then once he settled in, 
it became very clear that where his game was at prior to not getting action, it's it's where he picked right up. Like he was really dialed in for the Golden Knights down the the, the stretch in that game. There were a couple of big time saves, one uh, specifically on a redirection in front by Matthew Kachuk that that just is is next level. And granted, Kachuk kind of doesn't put that shot where he wants to, but it, it's still on Logan Thompson's reaction time to get in front of that block that puck. I, I thought Logan Thompson had probably uh, one of the better games that he has played as a pro at this level last night. And it coincided with, to me, the best game top to bottom that the Golden Knights have played all year long. Yeah. And, you know, I think what you described in those first 10 minutes, I think that's understandable. Yeah, because because sure. Because not only are you dealing with the fact that he hadn't played in a couple of games, but the coach comes and taps you on the shoulder and they're telling you, look, this is the biggest game of the season so far for us. Like every game that the Golden Knights play from here until the end of the season is going to be the most important game of the season. And when Pete DeBoer taps Logan Thompson on the shoulder and tells him, look, you're in that tonight. This is the biggest game of the season. I think there's going to be nerves. And I don't care who you are. I don't I don't care if, if you're Patrick Waugh or if you're Logan Thompson. I think when, when the coach taps you and tells you, you, we need you to win tonight. This is a must-win game. I think you're going to be nervous until you get settled. You know, and the funny thing is, like, I I saw a lot of takes last night about it's Logan Thompson's crease. And while I don't disagree with that as a premise on the whole, I don't think it goes beyond the next game, right? Like, when we talk about ride the hot hand, we're talking about ride the hot hand until it doesn't work. You keep playing Logan Thompson until that option isn't your best option. And right now, I, I think regardless of, you know, who's healthy and available or who's with the team. Yuri Patera was recalled from the Henderson Silver Knight, so he's up as the second goaltender. So tomorrow the expectation will be Logan Thompson backing uh Logan Thompson playing in that game for the Golden Knights. Yuri Patera backing him up as Robin Leonard has returned to Vegas due to a health issue with one of his family members. Like I I think that you continue to ride Logan Thompson until that option clearly becomes an option you can't rely on and I just I don't see that changing again you don't go from college university make your way through the ranks of the ECHL win AHL goaltender of the year and then go eight and four in your first real real stint in the NHL without believing in your talent and believing in your skill set and what we're seeing right now out of Logan Thompson is just fulfilling what he believes in his mind, he is. And that is an NHL goaltender capable of carrying a team to a stretch run towards the playoffs. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's it's remarkable, really. I mean, it's almost like storybook type stuff. The, the, the road that he's taken and just how well he has been playing. I mean, I, I, I wondered at the end of last season how long it was going to be until we actually got to see Logan Thompson in in more than a relief role. Like, I wonder, when, when are they going to make him the backup? Because he played so well, and it was like, can he repeat what he did last year in the AHL? Not only has he repeated it, but he's doing it at the highest level. He's playing as good as he did in the AHL last season. He's carried that into the NHL, and he's playing that well in the NHL. And And it's like, just how good can he actually be? That's it's it's not it's no longer a question. 
can Logan Thompson play in the NHL? Because he clearly has shown that he's an NHL goalie. The question now I have to ask is, how good of a goalie can Logan Thompson be? Because it seems like he's only getting better. Yeah, we the the idea of what's his ceiling. Where is Logan Thompson's ceiling in the NHL? Is it backup goaltender? Is it a starting goaltender? Is it the type of guy that you can lean on in a 60-40 split in an 82-game season and you get the quality of play that you're getting out of him right now? All of those things are still up in the air, right? Like I think that there's a stretch run that Logan's on right now that, that's just phenomenal. Do I think that that's an accurate representation of where he's at right now or who he is as a goaltender at this level? No, just like I didn't necessarily believe that the run from Jordan Binnington was a sustainable run or that he was as good as his record would indicate in leading the St. Louis Blues to a Stanley Cup. And a couple of years later, I think you're starting to see kind of that bear out with Jordan Binnington. But for right now, Who cares? It doesn't matter what Logan Thompson's going to be in 100 games or 200 games or 300 games at the NHL level. All that matters for the Golden Knights, all that matters for Logan Thompson is that he continues to be dialed in, he continues to play well, he continues to stop pucks, and he continues to pile the wins for the Golden Knights over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and that's all you could ask for, right? Like, who cares about next year? That's not important. What we're worried about right now is these next, what is it, seven games left? These next seven games for the Golden Knights, and... I think if he's called on to start, and, and you know, obviously we have no idea the situation with Robin, but mm-hmm. you, you'd like to hope that that you're you are going to have a healthy Robin Leonard back for the games when you get home for New Jersey, Washington, and San Jose, because I think you're probably going to need him in a couple of those games, because when you get home, you've got six games left, and that's it, and then the season's over. You're either you're either packing your bags and heading home in two and a half weeks. Or you're getting ready for the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think you're right. Fans should enjoy this ride that Logan Thompson's on. And, and you know, let, let we'll worry about the ceiling. And, yeah, it, it's certainly a question. But what's more important right now is, is him playing as good as he has been and getting this team into the playoffs. All right, great stuff. We will be joined by Gene Principe, broadcaster for the Edmonton Oilers, on the other side of the break. As part of our power play to the playoffs, we'll take a look at Vegas and Edmonton. That's coming up right now on the right. That's coming up after the break on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. The BGK Insiders Power Play to the Playoffs here on Fox Sports Las Vegas is being brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas. Power play to the playoffs. The Golden Knights entrenched in a very heated playoff race down the stretch. Seven games remain. The Golden Knights just one point behind the Los Angeles Kings. And a big-time game tomorrow against the Edmonton Oilers that will go a long way in determining whether or not the Golden Knights will make the playoffs. And to help give us some insight, some nuance into that game, we bring in Edmonton Oilers broadcaster Gene Principe, good show, uh, good friend of the show. Hey, Gene, how you doing? Yes, you forgot to mention Darren Millard's former uh, landlord. I, I see all of us up here have been thinking about Darren uh, uh, after his uh, incident, and... Uh, looks like he's feeling better slowly so i know the show misses him and i know the broadcast misses him and uh television in general misses him so i hope uh, darren's feeling uh, much better real quick especially as you mentioned with the playoff chase and maybe a playoff place 
available for Vegas. So, you know, Gene, I, I, I look at tomorrow's game as, as a big potential statement for the Vegas Golden Knights, but it, are, the, are the Oilers viewing it that way too? Because, you know, for Vegas, this is kind of expected, the ability to go on a run to, to kind of put their game together at the right time. But for the Oilers, a potential first-round matchup with Vegas is looming. How much do the Oilers want to send a message to the Golden Knights? Yeah, you know, it's interesting uh, because up until, oh, even <laughs> like yesterday or day before, <laughs> uh, but yeah. certainly when the Oilers finished up against uh, the L.A. trip where they swept, uh, everyone was like, uh, you know, lock, stock, and barrel. They're playing L.A. Mm-hmm. Is it is it going to be home ice? You know, will they get home ice? Will it be L.A. getting home ice? Uh, we were pretty much locked in that that was going to be the opponent. And, and then you fast forward uh, basically, you know, a week, uh, a little over a week, and suddenly you're going, wait a minute now. Um, that might not be the case. L.A.'s kind of stuttered a bit, and that's the thing this time of the year. Like, you cannot... And they've had a ton of injuries, right? And they lost their Norris Trophy winning defenseman and Drew Doughty. So I, I get what's going on. They're they're just trying to get to the finish line and then hope that there's another race after that, the playoff uh, positioning or playoff chase for the Stanley Cup. But here comes Vegas. And I know it wasn't that long ago. It seemed like Vegas kept winning, but so did everybody else. Uh, then they had the one, I can't remember the one bad game they had. They got, was it Vancouver beat them badly? Yep. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Vancouver right? at home. And, yeah. Right, right. And then it's kind of like, uh-oh, but not not the case. Peter DeVore has got them going again. Uh, and uh, that's the thing. You, you are going to, listen, Edmonton got beat 5-1 on Tuesday night. Uh, it's hard to stay at that level every single game uh, because you're playing teams that got a lot on the line too. Uh, so, you know, Vancouver's kind of inched their way back into it, not into a playoff spot, the conversation so tomorrow's huge. I, I, I think if you're Edmonton, a uh, couple of things. You win regulation. Uh, if my math is right, it's a seven-point difference. That would be pretty insurmountable. Uh, in theory, yes, uh, it, it could change, but now you're seven up with basically five, six games to go. Um, I think the other thing is Edmonton does not want to sit on a loss for four days. They don't play again until Wednesday. So you play Saturday afternoon. You got to sit through Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, which would feel like an eternity at this time of the year, um, because you would not have anything locked in. You're at 92 points. You might go back to work on Wednesday and, and have been passed by someone or tied. So I think, and then setting the tone, like you said. So I, I think there's like three sort of different um, angles to it. But first and foremost, it's trying to win. So you keep that distance and make it farther and put as many teams in between you and the teams chasing you, um, you know, so that you've got a little bit of breathing room. Beat Nashville last night and the Oilers. They have Dallas on Wednesday and then Colorado. Colorado's in a bit of a different stratosphere, but a tough team. But Dallas is another one chasing. So there's you know, one, one game you're cheering against them, one game you're cheering for them. I guess that's the beauty <laughs> of the playoff race. Evander Kane is a guy who probably won't have too many people buy him a beer if he shows up in Vegas, but he's been really good since he got to Edmonton. I think he's got 30 points in 36 games. Just how big of a signing was that, and how much does that kind of maybe turn the fortunes for Edmonton? Because they were struggling a bit when they signed him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they were. They definitely were, and certainly a few other things have fallen into place. But 
you know, where do you, where do you uncover a top six forward who now has played 800 NHL games, who's 30 years old, who's big, who's strong, who's physical, who can skate, who can shoot, and is a nice set of hands alongside Connor McDavid. I mean, for nothing, for nothing, you know, that's, that's the, that's the last thing I said, but maybe I should have snuck it in somewhere in the middle, but he's, he's provided everything they could have asked for, you know, and, and he's a tough dude too. Like he's not afraid. One thing I'll say about him is that, you know, even if a game is not going well, uh, he's not afraid to try and, as, as we often use, bring guys into the fight with him. And that doesn't mean it has to be a fight, but just to, to sort of raise the energy level, the compete level, the combativeness level, He's been everything and more. I, I, I think if he had 10 less points and five less goals, the Oilers would have been happy, uh, but he doesn't. He's got more than that. And so it's been a wonderful fit. And, and I know, you know, you mentioned the beer thing. Uh, obviously, there, there's background stuff that's gone on, but from everything we've seen and heard and witnessed and overheard and eavesdropped on, uh, there's been nothing to suggest that he hasn't been anything but um, you know, a model citizen and a model player. And as I, as I joke, but in seriousness, say the only trouble he's caused is for opposing teams because he hasn't caused any for the Oilers. You know, when you look at the Oilers season and, and especially since the coaching change, Jay Woodcroft, 28 and three, a 694 points percentage pace, which would be just behind the Colorado Avalanche uh, over the course of an 82 game season if you extrapolate it out. What has Jay been able to do to kind of pull the best out of this Oilers team? Oh, I, it's a great question. You know, uh, Edmonton had been a, a roller coaster of a ride, as, as their GM Ken Holland said. We've been up and down like a toilet seat, and that was yep. what kept Edmonton sort of not sure what are we doing here. Like, you know, nine and one, sixteen and five, and then two eleven and two, and he wasn't really sure what he had. Um, so he decides that listen, for the first time in his thirty-plus year career. Uh, he lets go of a coach during the season, but Jay's come in. I think he's he's extremely detailed, and I would say the first eight to ten games, that's your natural bump, right? If you don't get a bump there, then you really might have a problem. But you get that almost automatically. I would say eight to nine out of ten hirings have that happen. Vancouver had it happen with Bruce Boudreau. It just it just happens. Um, but I think he's kept them. Uh, he's, he, he's very prepared. Um, I think one of the things he's tried to do is to spread the time. Uh, there was a belief that, uh, and, and I get it, if you have Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, it's hard not to use them. It's hard not to overuse them uh, because they are so good, especially when the team's struggling. You know, you look down your bench and you go, ah, i got to throw those guys out again. And sometimes uh, less is more, even if it's just a couple minutes lost a game. Uh, so that, I think, is, has been a... a He's made everyone feel important or more important than they did before. Uh, I think ice time has been a part of it. I think just the way he deals with with players. Um, I, I think he's a really good tactician and very, very good at his systems. Um, he's done some really good work defensively, and this is as a group, not just not just Jay Woodcroft, one person. So he's come in and tidied up. You know, Edmonton. The, they they had a lot of those things going on during the season, just wasn't um, happening for a long enough stretch. And so this guy comes in, and I mean, he set a new record for fastest to 20 wins. 
uh, for an Oilers coach. Uh, and they've had, you know, they've had some winning coaches in this town. So he, he almost, not that he can't do anything wrong, but if he does, it's not very much. And, and if it does go wrong, he fixes it. Uh, along with his staff, so it's it's been you know fantastic because you know you list his record now. He's into by the time the season's over, he'll have coached half a season. So it's not just a guy filling in, you know, eight ten games to help you get to the finish line, and then who knows, right? Half a season in the NHL, you've you've begun to prove something. And as one ex-player told me, he said, you know, when a new coach comes in, he's got everyone's attention, right? They want to win, they want to succeed, and part of them probably wants to see where they fit with the new coach. But then it's it's as the the days, the weeks, the games go on to keep that interest, to keep that attention, and he's been able to do that. And uh, I think one of the things that we've all learned when you win, um, everything just is, is is better, and you're willing to to deal with things that maybe you might not want to deal with if you're losing. But that hasn't been the case, and he hopes it's not the case tomorrow afternoon against Vegas. There's a couple of really good young defensemen who, who maybe are getting a lot more headlines, but Evan Bouchard has had a really, really good, kind of under-the-radar good season. Just how good has he been? Because it seems like he's not getting maybe the, the, the respect or the notoriety that he deserves. Yeah, yeah. First-round pick, 2018. Uh, you know, I think fans wanted him up here sooner, but they, they took their time, and it's it's proving to, to be the right formula for him, and, and oftentimes for many young players you know he's a young guy that uh, you know they they call it the bush bomb he's got a whale of a shot uh that he can use and oftentimes it's on the power play that he uses it uh very offensively gifted uh defenseman but has to you know you you always got to put the defense in defenseman otherwise it's it's not the 1980s where you can just wheel up and down the ice uh there there has to be more to it and he's really learning that um, you know he's he's going to probably end up with forty plus points this season, which for a twenty two year old defenseman that's yeah, that's pretty impressive considering where else he can go. And I know we've seen some defensemen this year, you know, Kale McCarr in Colorado and Roman Yossi in, in Nashville that are that are having like almost eighties type seasons uh, with the points they've put up. But yeah, I agree, he's a bit under the radar, and I think anyone who's not named McDavid and Drysaddle is under the radar here, right? Uh, if you're a fan of the team and a, a sort of a deep-rooted fan of the team, for sure you're into it. You understand. You watch him. If you're more, you know, not on the periphery because you guys, you know, you don't live in Edmonton, but here you are talking about Evan Bouchard. Um, you have to dig a little deeper to get to him because you got to get through McDavid. You got to get through Drysaddle. You know, we talked about Evander Kane. There's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and so you've got to get kind of six, seven, eight people deep before you get to him. But once you do, uh, you're definitely impressed with what he's been able to accomplish. So as I view the Edmonton Oilers, especially when it comes to the playoffs, goaltending is always going to be the big thing that I come back to. Right now, yeah. Mike Smith is on an absolute heater. 7-1-1 in his yeah. last 9-5-0 in his last five starts, a 9-32 uh, save percentage over those last nine games. Is what Mike is doing now sustainable? Well, I mean, th- this is the question that, uh, you know, to-, to quote Ken Holland at trade deadline when he talked about goalies and whether he had interest in getting anyone else, he said, in my mind, if Mike Smith is healthy and Miko Koskinen is healthy, um, I'm-, I'm comfortable with that. And I think we-, we truly have a rotating goaltending situation here. You know, Miko Koskinen going into the California trip was supposed to play and he was sick and Mike played really good, really good, really good. He played the whole trip. 
And so then Miko sort of got, got bumped, not bumped down, but maybe bumped to the side of it. Like Mike had been bumped because Miko had been playing so good. I'll tell you this, there is no, um, I'm not going to say there's no allegiance, but don't be uh, afraid to see Edmonton maybe switch goalies from one game to the sec- next in the playoffs even, or have someone play two and then switch. Um, you know, I know Robin Leonard, and I'm not sure what his status is. He, he may be injured. I see you called up a goaltender, I think, today. Um, you know, in theory, he'd be your guy, right? Um, if you're Calgary, it's Jacob Markstrom. If it's, if it's Vancouver, it's Thatcher Demko. It's, it's a guy. Um, some teams have that guy. Some teams don't, and they're willing to use either. Mike Smith was excellent in the playoffs last year, even though Edmonton got swept by Winnipeg. So right now, Mike Smith's the guy. Um, I, I, I would think that he's going to play. He's coming off a shutout. I would suggest that he'd be the starter uh, tomorrow against Vegas. But who's, you know, who's to say if, if, if things don't go well, uh, maybe on Wednesday it's Miko Koskinen. And if he plays great, then he plays on Friday. So uh, they're willing to use any goalie, I guess is my point. Um, while other teams might you know, think or swim with one guy, they're, they're going to do it with two guys. Now, I'll, I'll finish up with this. and, and... Maybe, maybe getting ahead of myself a little bit, and maybe some fans up in Alberta getting ahead of themselves a little bit, but are fans kind of maybe kicking around, maybe getting a little anxious, a little salivating at the possibility of a battle of Alberta in the second round oh, yeah. of the playoffs? Yeah, I don't know if you guys were even born, and if you were, you were young. 1991, <laughs> 31 years. Unfortunately, I was in grade school, so I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old enough to That's remember. I mean. That's thir- 31 years, so... Um, it, it's been a long time. Now they're, they're they were close, and there, there were a couple times. 2006, actually, Anaheim came back to beat Calgary, and then the Oilers met Anaheim in the conference uh, final. Um, but that, you know, the problem is there were years where one was good and one wasn't, or vice versa. And like any cycle, sometimes neither were quite good enough to make the playoffs. But now they're both good. Uh, Calgary leading the division, so for sure. Um, you know, I think there might have been a thought that Edmonton would be a wild card team, and there was a possibility it would happen in the first round. Now that looks very unlikely uh, that that would be the case in the opening round. But 31 years, uh, I mean, uh, I've I've <laughs> I've known stories of players talking about parents who, you know, wouldn't drive through Calgary and they would go around just because they they hated Calgary. I mean. It's not as bad anymore, but there was a time, I remember as a broadcaster, there was an opening in Calgary, and I didn't want to go work there, and I'm like, what are you, an idiot? Working in a, you know, but that's just how it was. Like, you just, you, if you were from Edmonton, you wanted no part of Calgary, and, and vice versa, because there was just such a, such a heat to the rivalry. I think it's tempered because they're not playing each other in the playoffs like they used to back in the 80s, uh, and into just the beginning of the 90s, but... I think if they start to meet again, we, we might have people uh, going the long way and avoiding driving through Edmonton or Calgary just because there's this hatred. And, you know, I, I think the world has changed from back then, too. And so, you know, hatred is, is maybe not the right word, or maybe it's what you, what you think you feel, but it, it is a sport, it is entertainment, and it is how we get our enjoyment. Um, so, for sure, people are looking forward to having a Battle of Alberta uh, including, uh, you know, the network I work for, right? It would be a wonderful uh, Western playoff series to have 
them play just like, and it won't happen this year, Toronto-Montreal play in a playoff with fans, right? And I'm talking the whole, the whole atmosphere. If it were a bubble playoff with nobody in there, eh, it just, it's, it's not the same. But having the two cities uh, going after each other, um, I think it'd be fantastic. You know, Gene, this was uh, great. Thanks for taking some time with us today on a Friday afternoon to to give us a little bit more insight into where the Edmonton Oilers are right now. And hopefully, if it's uh, Vegas and Edmonton in round number one of the playoffs, we can get you back on the program. And, and at that point, I'm sure Darren Millard will be back and we can really get into some of the stories from your guys' heyday. <laughs> no, I'd love to and say hi to Darren for me. Yeah, will do. Thank you so much. That's Gene Principe, broadcaster for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Great stuff, fantastic insight. Uh, Gene's just a phenomenal broadcaster and, um, you know, goes a long way back with Darren Millard. So uh, great to have Gene on the program. Great to have Gene as a part of our power play to the playoffs. We're back with the play of the day next on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. That was the BGK Insider's Power Play to the Playoffs, brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas, here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson, centered, Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the BGK Insider Show. Play of the Day, VGK Insider Show special, and it's another day and another game-winning goal for Evgeny Dodonov. Get it out high, five seconds on the power play. Carlson shoots, blocked, rebound comes on, goal, they score! Just as the penalty clock runs out, Evgeny Dodonov at the left goal line. It is Dodonov's 19th, and the Knights have a 2-1 lead with 15-14 to go in the second. Here's what I like about the play. William Carlson taking a shot. Nick Waugh fighting for a rebound. Evgeny Dodonov going hard to the net, finding the puck, and putting it in the net. Like, William Carlson taking shots is massively, massively important for the Golden Knights down the stretch. The fact that he's getting confident, I think, is important. And it was nearly a power play goal. And there were there was a, a moment, a brief moment in time where I was hopeful that it was a power play goal just to break the Ofer streak, but the Golden Knights would get one later on in the game. But the Dodonov goal... Just after a power play, important for a number of different reasons. The most important, though, was that it was the game winner in a 6-1 trouncing of the Calgary Flames. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show coming up next. 